Welcome to the Royale Political Wire. This is Stephen Smith. I am the proprietor of the Royale and the producer of the show. Uh, here we are downstairs in the bar on a special treat for today. It's been a, we're back from a little bit of a summer hiatus. We're sitting around with a bunch of people drinking around us, so I'm very comfortable. I am here with our host, Michael Allen, and welcome back to Maureen Hanlon. Yes. A very Thank special you. guest good, today. Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back here at the Royal Political Wire recording sure. again. I'm Michael Allen. I'm a senior lecturer at Washington University, which is a fancy term for a non-tenure track professor. I also do some historic preservation consulting, um, and I've been hosting the show for a little while. My name is Maureen Hanlon. I'm here in my individual capacity only, and I am a local woman who reads a lot of news, and that is my sole role here. Um, and we are here with an esteemed guest who is likely not used to doing tons of interviews in a bar uh, with people wearing T-shirts. Oh. But it's we're trying to casual keep it casual. Wednesday. Um. So our, our esteemed Dr. Sam Page is here uh, having true discussions with the citizenry of the greater St. Louis region. So, right, and uh, Dr. Page is no stranger, probably, to being interviewed. Um, he's four months into yes. his term as ninth county executive for St. Louis County. Oh. Um, but before that, he served as the county councilman for five years, I believe, if I did my research right. He was in the State House of Representatives for six years, and then on the Crevecourt City Council before that, starting in 1999. So a long term of public service in many different capacities. Um, and I'd be remiss not to mention one, which I want to start with, which is in 2008, he was the Democratic nominee for Lieutenant Governor of Missouri, a statewide race. Probably the first time I encountered Dr. Page, first time I was able to cast a vote for him. If I move to the county, I may be able to do that again. But, um, and a fun fact is a young woman, myself. A young local woman. A young local woman was at the time uh, working for Obama for America in Warren County, Missouri, where I handed out many Sam Page signs and never knew who you were. But I did speak very kindly and highly of you at the time to the well, citizens of Warren County. Wow. Well, thank you for that very yeah. nice introduction and it's uh, nice to be here in your show I, you're right i haven't done a lot of interviews in a bar but sure. this is uh, this is pretty cool <laughs> yeah and i wanted to start with this lieutenant governor race yeah. everyone wants us to start with the county and we'll get to that but sure. uh, i think a lot of people who know you now as county executive probably maybe don't remember that or weren't in politics especially some of the younger voters and writers um but in 2008 there was a pretty strong statewide slate of democrats and you know as often happens in Missouri, not not huge success, but voting trends have gone more and more blue. And I wonder what you learned from running statewide before hitting this, this strong local executive race. Um, but also if you see the statewide Democratic Party poised to, uh, to gain in strength and traction. I mean, I, I think a lot of us wonder, will there be a Democratic governor or lieutenant governor again in our lifetimes? And some of the voting patterns say yes, but... The Republicans still sweep every statewide race. So, Well, uh, 2008 was an exciting year. Um, Obama was a very exciting candidate for president. And I was honored to be a part of on, on that ticket with him in Missouri. You know, 2008 was probably 
the last year we felt like we had a strong blue wave. There was a, the Democratic performance was up by two or three points that year. Obama didn't run as well in Missouri as he did in a lot of states. Missouri is a little bit of a southern state north of the Mason-Dixon line, and we saw a lot of that dynamic. But a very exciting and strong candidate. He had a historical impact. I don't think too many people uh, know who the vice president or lieutenant governor is, even when they're elected. And remembering who ran 10 years ago is pretty impressive, <laughs> especially for someone who wasn't successful. But um, I was the only one running against an incumbent. It's That's always right. tough to beat an incumbent. That's right. Uh, lost by a couple of points in, uh, in a blue wave year. And um, I learned a lot. It was a great civics lesson. Our kids were small at the time. Uh, our kids are 21, 18, and 16, so, um, you know, 11, 8, and 6. It was a great uh, civics lesson for them, and we learned a lot about Missouri, learned a lot about Warren County, uh, went to just about every county in the sure. state, and made a lot of a lot of good friends. I think it, especially here in St. Louis County, I still have um, a lot of friends from the 20 years I've been in and out of politics. A lot of folks that are active in Democratic politics uh, remember me and know me from from those times and are comfortable with my record and my positions and um, were really a big part of my effort in 2008 where I came pretty close. Right. Very close, actually, yeah. against an incumbent. So tell us, uh, do you think, how do you think your experience statewide has shaped your vision and agenda that you're putting into place for St. Louis County? My experience in legislature, uh, I think, taught me how to um, use the rules of the legislative process and how to build relationships. When you're in the minority in the legislature, uh, your ideas um, really aren't likely to get a lot of momentum right out of the box. You have to spend a lot of time persuading um, a majority that isn't inclined to support a progressive idea. Uh, you have to build relationships with uh, committee chairman and um, other members to get your amendments on on the House floor and your ideas have to pass the other chamber. So you really learn a lot about building relationships and I think that was that, that helped me a great deal. It helped me um, when I was on the county council, now in the majority as council chair, it helped me understand where the Republican council members were coming from and uh, helped me understand the importance of including them in the process and that they could be valuable members even though they were members of a minority party on the mm -hmm. county council. Right, I don't think city voters Understand that St. Louis County is still a bipartisan political landscape, and Republicans yeah. win districts and are actually have come close to seizing the county executive seat. It's not been very long since Republicans dominated that office. Um, you know, so one one of the things you're doing now, it seems like, is forming a very effective relationship with the current county council president, Ernie Trakis, who is a Republican from from South County, who. You know, is presiding over a council where he received Democratic votes to become council president. Now he's working with a Democratic county executive. And we look at the state and we see a polarized environment. We look at Washington, D.C., and Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell can't even get a coffee and figure out one bill they can pass together. How are you guys making this happen on the county level? Well, the local government is about roads and bridges and public health and policing and just services that are close to home and they really aren't partisan uh, unless elected officials try to make it partisan. Ernie is a unique person. He represents a swing district in South County. Um, he's really uh, has a pretty significant li libertarian streak, runs on uh. the uh, Republican ticket and um, is honest. 
And uh, I think if, if you approach him or anyone else uh, in the other party uh, and work on issues that you agree on, treat them with respect, listen sincerely to their ideas, I, I think you can find middle of ground in a lot of ways. And uh, Ernie is just one of those kind of people that um, is an honest broker and we'll meet you halfway if you listen to what he has to say. And, and we've been doing that for a couple of years. He really is a um, very ethical person. And uh, that's why he was chair of the ethics committee and led uh, a lot of that investigation over the leases in Northwest Plaza and a lot of the corruption in uh, the last county executive's administration. It's interesting that you say, so just your three examples there, which I you know, there's an old saying that there's, you know, there's no Democratic mayors and there's no Republican mayors. There's only mayors just because the issues are so local. But your examples of roads and bridges and policing are incredibly polarizing at times in the St. Louis region. And I'm wondering, uh, specifically if we're talking about roads and if we're talking about transit, uh, the issue of public transportation has been... Uh, polarizing in a number of different ways uh, over the last couple of years. And I'm wondering if you can talk about what kind of your vision is for that and what your, what initiatives you're supporting um, and why you're not supporting others. Well, public transportation is a very important part of what we do as a region. It's part of our brand right. and it's part of our success, economic growth. It's very important. Uh, we have to restore the brand of public transportation. Our ridership has taken a dramatic dive in the past five years. It's gone down even more um, this year. Yeah. Uh, I Why do you think that another is? 20%. Well, it's a couple of things. People are finding other ways to get around. Uh, gasoline is inexpensive. Right. And um, Uber is here. But I think the, the brand uh, of public transportation is in a bad spot right now. People mm -hmm. are worried about safety. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of arguments about is it really safe? Is it a perception of safety? Is it behavior or crime? And what's the difference between behavior or crime? But to the average person who rides a train, they just don't feel safe. And as much as you tell them that, you know, crime is okay and our crime isn't any worse than any other metropolitan region, they just don't feel safe. And we have to change that. And we have to change that image. We have to change that feeling. And uh, we have to have a real conversation about how to get that done. Um, that conversation was really stalled over the past uh, three or four years. There was not a good relationship between Bi-State, Metro Public Safety, and uh, St. Louis County, or really any law enforcement. Uh, but I think that uh, relationship is in a better place. But we still have, uh, we still have a lot of work to do. There is a, a safety study um, by a consultant group that's hired by East-West Gateway. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've given us a lot of really good, real, um, valuable, and fair information on what safety, uh, policing, crime on Bi-State should look like. And we have to implement that plan. Can you give us an example? Well, so um, any task that you want to accomplish, um, you need to know who's in charge of the group that's going to perform that task, mm -hmm. and you need to have a plan. Yeah. So you have to have clear tasks, duties, and responsibilities. Um, you have to know who's going to do that and who's going to be the leader, who's going to be in charge. There has to be accountability for uh, decisions. And that's probably where our biggest hang-up is right now with Bi-State is um, the county council feels a certain uh, amount of urgency 
that uh, we really need to double down on our approach to public safety. And uh, with our communication um, historically and even more recently, I don't feel that same urgency uh, from um, uh, the Metro and Bi-State staff and leadership. Metro had like a Metro reimagined plan. Right. Right, and that's that's kind of what you're talking about. That you don't think that plan is the so Metro Reimagine has a lot of um, a lot of plans. There is some security piece to Metro Reimagine. It's a lot about the brand. It's a lot about rebranding, and they certainly do need to rebrand to um, get the community more um, engaged. And basically, Mm -hmm. Metro Reimagine says, "Come and take a second look at us." Right, and um, I'm for that, and I think that's a good idea. But um, I think we also have to make some substantive changes and we need to execute the public safety plan that the consultant has given us. And we need to have uh, someone uh, clearly in charge and our Metro public safety officers, our Metro transit officers and um, folks that are involved in that safety piece, that behavioral piece have to work in a coordinated way, in a team way with police. Mm. And we're not there yet. Mm. And that is... um, that's really concerning to me. We got to get that team working on by state. Well, shift, shifting to a bigger issue involving branding and faith in a brand, you came into office at a moment when it seemed like a brand that should have done very, very well, better together, mm. fell apart. The wheels fell off of that effort right around the time Steve Stanger was indicted. Reading between reports of Better Together's internal morass and Stenger's public statements, a lot of people were pretty shell-shocked and faithless in upper leadership in this region. But on the surface, conversations in the city and the county for a long time seem to show that many people think regional consolidation is not only a good idea, but an absolute necessity for the survival and strength of this region, competitive strength nationally. Uh, how are you going to position yourself in whatever comes next in terms of discussions about the city and the county, the proper relationship, how to move forward after Steve Stanger, Better Together? And Better Together is not technically completely over either. So yeah, reports of I don't know. Staff have been and also, where, you, where do you think it's going and what, what the public can expect? Because I think that's also been a maybe we all expected Better Together to kind of be pushed very quickly often a lot of people said against our will but it seemed like fate accomplished now it's lying smoldering on the floor right and well, i think the the civic leaders who uh, felt very strongly that uh, we need to do something quickly and aggressively in regional consolidation are still going to uh, apply that pressure mm-hmm. Because it's, it's important to them, it's important to economic development, it's important to job growth that we change our brand. And we have a couple of uh, pieces of our brand that really are holding us back. Uh, the first piece is equity inclusion. We do very poorly in our own self-assessments and assesses by um, people outside of our region. Uh, we have extraordinary racial division and tension and segregation in St. Louis that still exists today. Um, and we're nationally known for that. Mm-hmm. And we have to change that. Uh, we have to change that realistically. We can't just rebrand ourselves or rename ourselves. We have to fundamentally change how we treat people who don't have the same opportunities in workforce development and uh, educational opportunities and uh, where we put our resources. And that's uh, one of the things that I have um, realigned county government. That's something I feel very strongly about. Every decision we make has to um, 
have an eye on equity and inclusion and how it affects our, our targeted communities that are struggling. The other brand that we uh, struggle with is crime. Our crime statistics are uh, not good. And uh, we're known across the country as uh, a place with a crime problem. And uh, we're, uh, uh, we have those anecdotes this summer that are just tragic. Uh, children that are, are being shot and killed. And it appears that in our community and even in our region, uh, it appears that we don't value human life the way some other people do. And it appears that we um, uh, are reckless with the use of firearms. And that's, um, that's a brand we have to change and that's a cultural, um, culture item that we have to change in the city and in the region. So I think those two things um, are what we need to focus on and get better and get stronger. And um, everything we do about regional consolidation, regional cooperation is to fix those two things. So what does that look like? Does that mean, you know, the city's part of St. Louis County again and we're a happy family? Well, maybe, but there's a lot that needs to happen for that to work. There's a constitutional amendment that says that um, any, um, any individual in one of those city offices who is um, disadvantaged, who loses their job because that office is eliminated, the city has to give them a job, a similar opportunity and seniority. Um, any elected official that um, uh, has their office eliminated uh, gets to finish their term. So there's a lot of transitional questions there. Mm -hmm. um, those services are being provided in St. Louis City. Who's going to do those services? Is the city mm -hmm. going to pick them up? Or would St. Louis County pick them up if that, if that happened? If there was consensus that that was the right move forward and there was consensus among um, the voters, because the voters would have to pass this. Mm -hmm. The voters in the city and the voters in the county would have to agree this is a good idea. So if you have someone in one of those elected offices in St. Louis City who provides one of those critical services and they go to the folks that provide those services and said, you know, this plan means that these services won't be as good as they used to be, then that's going to really slow down the opportunity for progress. So in order to have city-county consolidation, it has to be a good idea. It has to make sense. And you have to have all the people that currently provide those services, their leaders and their employees, they have to be on board too which means you have to have a transition plan probably married, measured in years that makes sense. But the Board of Freeholders process, which we're going to trigger, which is the next bite at this apple, mm -hmm. um, you know, is one vehicle. Right. So you, you, you support this? the process. Well, I support the process because we, no matter what happens, we have to continue to have this conversation. We know that this region isn't str as strong as it should be. Regional cooperation is one of the fundamental problems, and we need to keep talking about how we can do things better. The... Um, but the Board of Freeholders has the opportunity under the, uh, under the Constitution to um, propose any idea they want. Right. Uh, you know, they came up with MSD, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago, and we're doing that, and it's, it's working. Um, but um, consolidation of government services is, um, um, you know, is, is a bigger bite. That's all right. of the sewer services. So maybe right. there's one. Maybe there's economic development. Maybe there's public health. Maybe there's um, policing. Uh, maybe there's uh, something more cooperatively we can do on crime. Maybe some of these key services that city and county government combine, uh, provide, maybe we can combine those. But this is a very, very complicated question. And um, the good thing is the Board of Freeholders has a year to come up with a recommendation because it's going to take them a year to listen to what everyone has to say and engage them. But I think where, and I need to stop here. I'm on a roll, but I think where... Um, Better Together Failed was engagement, and, and, and I think that um, the Board of Freeholders process has to very actively engage the mm -hmm. community because we have a, 
Um, a lot of our residents in the city and the county and our region don't believe we can be successful, um, don't believe that we're a region that can win, and we have to get them engaged in something that they believe is right and successful and will bring us forward, because in the end they have to vote on it. Mm -hmm. So they have to believe that the process was legitimate, and they have to believe that what we're trying to accomplish is a good idea, and that is a whole lot of work and a big conversation. Right. So let me, I mean, so sort of directly tying into that, uh, Yesterday, there was a, a publicized crime summit, um, and there was some immediate criticism to your point about cooperation, about inclusion, about getting everyone at the table. There was some immediate criticism about who is at the table for that. And I'm wondering if you have some thoughts on whether you... Yeah, I've what, read what some of that. Of your, I understand, yeah. um, and I understand the criticism, and I think it's um, it's valid. I think those those offices have to be part of the conversation. I talk to Westabell all the time. I talk to him today. Um, um, I like what he's doing in the county, and I'm uh, we're working together on a lot of issues. And when mm -hmm. we come, and we talk about what happens in the county all the time, um, you know, yesterday's meeting was just the beginning of a series of mm -hmm. conversations. We didn't um, conclude anything. We just started the conversation and. Um, yeah, should we invite more people? Um, yeah, I, we probably should have. Well, I wasn't my meeting, but sure. uh, I, I could have spoken up. Sure. But Even, I think, yeah. you know, we started the conversation. Uh, we came up with some good ideas. We'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks to see what those look like. Yeah. Um, at the meantime, um, uh, Wesley Bell's in the loop from my side. Yeah, and I'm wondering even um, beyond... The officers, just out of curiosity, if you were to invite to one of these sort of crime summit meetings someone you think maybe who's not an official but you think could really give guidance, who would who would that be from your perspective? So not so maybe so obviously Wesley Bell, that seems like pretty low hanging fruit. But who do you think is like the voices that the stakeholders are not really hearing that they need to hear? Well, I think the stakeholders in crime in our community is a pretty long list of people. Sure. Uh, and I um, I think the question is, you know, where would you stop if mm. you start inviting people? Um, but as we move forward with these, you know, you know, the obvious decision makers are St. Louis County Police Chief and and, and my office. Uh, the county council is going to have to something to say about it, mm -hmm. especially if there's an appropriation. Um, you know, state and federal um, law enforcement officials are mm -hmm. part of this conversation. Sure. But I think once we come up with a proposal, then there's going to be people who are impacted by that proposal as people have to provide those services, mm. and they got to be part of the implementation plan. We have to, yeah. this has to roll out in a way that it, uh, there's agreement that it's a good idea. Some of the things that are on list of, of possibilities that there's a good mm -hmm. idea, and the, the people that are going to participate in the implementation of that have to um, decide whether or not it's a, uh, participate in the uh, conversation about whether or not it's a good plan. Yeah, and I guess um, I'm going to say one more version of this, oh, and then I'll let Michael go. But I guess one thing I've been thinking about a lot, and I've been reading, I'm sure, the same crime stories you have, is the idea that, uh, like you said, there's so many people impacted, right? So outside of the official stakeholders, so outside of the police or outside of the um, so law enforcement prosecutors, people are sort of like officially in charge of prosecuting crime or dealing with crime after it's happened, who are the levers of people that uh, are able to deal with the pre-crime? So the, the community that is the, I guess, what, what are the voices from the community that, you know, there's all these statistics about uh, 
you know, the, the low percentage of murder solves. And, and, and I don't know if the county has the same sort of statistics. Um, but what, what are your kind of thoughts on, on what efforts are being made on a wider basis to kind of connect with community members about their, their own personal efforts to prevent crime or their, their own kind of like the, the, the lived community experience of that? So I think the resources that we would deploy and um, would be people, technology, and then um, communication. And the pre-crime issues, um, you know, go all the way back to early childhood education right. and opportunities. I mean, this is, um, you know, education and workforce development is a big part of this, but also pre-crime is how you deal with the folks that are incarcerated when they leave. What's mm. the plan so they don't come back? Mm. because that recidivism is a big problem. So we've been talking about um, these uh, reform ideas for, um, for a long time. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm uh, digging through Jeff Smith's book. I'm, I've met with um, you know, Bob Fox and Maxine Clark. I've met with uh, Concordance. And these are all uh, institutions in our community that are treating uh, folks that make a mistake and end up in, in jail or in mm -hmm. prison as a workforce development opportunity to, to turn their life around and get back into the economy. Mm -hmm. So some of pre-crime is, is um, trying to give people an opportunity that they didn't have that account allowed them to engage in the, in the mm -hmm. criminal justice system. The other piece is um, uh, uh, addic addiction services mm. and mental health services. I think those are big uh, pre-crime uh, opportunities. Uh, better mental health coverage for the first time ever in the history of the county. We actually um, uh, appropriated money to leverage mental health resources from the federal government. So we've, we uh, put in three quarters of a million dollars in, in uh, of our health fund to leverage another $1.6, $1.7 million to uh, create a, a mental health treatment program in the county that was mainly for addiction because of the epidemic we're dealing with. So I think opioid addiction mental health treatment, um, these are all issues that we need to be talking about. Yeah, I'm just, I'll ask one follow-up before I, I move on, but I, I'm just wondering, the governor is in that room yesterday, and there's a lot of resources the state could provide in these areas we've just talked about, from mental health, public health, social welfare net, some of those that have re restricted and, and rescinded under Republican administrations. Did the governor give us any indication that he might be open to you know, yes. maybe going against his own party's past record on those issues and well, helping we, Salem City and County with. Well, he's going to have to make decisions about uh, gun control mm. and, uh, you know, Medicaid services. Right. That, um, you know, will line up with his party's philosophy. Mm. He may make some exceptions because he yeah. um, I wouldn't has figure to govern the whole state won't. and not just mm -hmm. areas that disagree with us on those issues that don't have the same challenge as we do. And he's uh, a former sheriff, so yeah. he should know some of this. I think he yeah. uh, he does he does understand um, the crime and law enforcement piece a little better than most governors, mm -hmm. I would say, and he demonstrated that in our conversation. Well, he actually showed up. I think that's important. Right. I think he's he recognizes that he's the governor, and St. Louis is a big part of Missouri. We're the ec economic engine, and we need to be successful. And uh, we've got some real challenges. And he did, you know, he came down to City Hall, and he met with the mayor, and he met with all of us, and some state and federal law enforcement, and we, we had a good conversation, but he, he was open to helping us find some resources for some of those other challenges that aren't um, necessarily a, a policeman um, on the street. I want to shift, though, 
because uh, our time is, is on the way out. Um, we haven't asked you some big questions. Um, of course, you're going to have to run for re-election pretty soon. And Are you campaigning votes. right now? Well, Are we one of your campaign spots? Well, good no, question. This is uh, <laughs> a low-vote area here in the city of St. Louis. Well, if I'm campaigning here yeah, in the yeah. city of St. Louis, I guess I'm... Uh, <laughs> Things must be going right. well, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure. No, no I'll, uh, I'll make some sort of announcement at the end of the year. I mean, I, I think I've certainly got a lot of support. And if the if I feel like I'm making a difference and um, I can continue to help the region, then I'll do it. This is a little bit different than my regular job and uh, is a, a bit of a sacrifice for my family. But I think if we can, if I can have an impact in the community and the region, then I'll press on. Right. What is one thing that you'll regret not having accomplished by the time this election happens? Well, by the time this election happens, yeah. well, that's and, a, that's and is that a, too short. That's eleven months away. Yeah, I know. So it's an, an upcoming election. And right. I'm a city yeah. resident, and our mayor. I, I would feel really guilty asking our mayor that because it's such a weak mayor system. The county executive has a little more authority, but maybe not that much. So, well, maybe I'm also asking. I'm sort of uh, how lucky the parameters that of what you can actually do in one year. <laughs> the county executive certainly has uh, um, a lot of authority the way our charter is set up, but I'm lucky that I have a, a good relationship with my legislative branch. I just came from that legislative mm -hmm. branch, and um, I really work hard to incorporate them in our decisions, probably um, giving away a lot of authority in exchange for a relationship. Mm. And mm. I'm willing to make that trade because I see them as partners in governing. And that makes that makes it a little bit easier. But what I'd like to do, that my number one goal is to restore trust in government. Um, we've um, really been let down. And we um, we need to get our brand back. And we can't, we can't lead the region, I can't lead the region, if county voters don't believe that their government is legitimate. Right. So the most important thing to restore trust in government is to get our county employees focused on the work that they do to make sure they're proud of what they're doing, that they believe in their job, they believe in our mission, and then to make sure that uh, county residents believe that their government is working hard to provide them the services they need and they're doing it in a responsible way. The big questions, equity and inclusion, uh, economic development, um, addressing you know crime and public safety, um, you know public health, the opioid epidemic, those are all long-term challenges, but we're engaged in them right now. So I would say I probably got a five-year uh, timeline mm -hmm. to, um, you know, change the dial on that. So if you get, get through this election and get into that first full term, right. then I can ask you the question again. <laughs> Do you, oh. you seem like you have a pretty set philosophy of hiring and of relationship building. And I'm wondering if you can kind of talk a little bit about what that is. Because you've made some... some uh, I think impressive hires or some some bolder right. hires maybe than your predecessor did. Two of them are right here, and we have Doug not, Moore coming uh, from yeah. the media and Winston Calvert, who it's, it's very rare to see someone. I mean, Mike Jones did this, but it's not very often from city government to county government, sure. which must be a uh, he must bring a lot of uh, intergovernmental sort of well, I think, knowledge and strategy to the table. So. I think I've got to look at doing things differently than mm -hmm. we've done them in the past. And the way you do that is to get people with experience from different governments. Mm -hmm. And uh, Doug and Winston have a lot of good experiences. And uh, philosophically, they're, they're more aligned with me. I think I probably have a little bit more of a progressive bent than uh, previous county executives. Some of that is um, kind of pent-up energy from serving in the state legislature for three sure. terms. 
right. and uh, having a lot of ideas that didn't come to um, fruition. And one of the first things I did on the county council was push through the prescription drug monitoring program, which I tried for for uh, five years in the legislature to pass that bill. And aren't we like one of the only states that doesn't have one or something? Right, but yeah. we've got one now in our state because right. our county led the way and right. made it uh, a sort of turnkey where mm -hmm. other counties could subscribe for $7 per doctor or $7 per pharmacist. And it was a really uh, affordable way to get nearly statewide coverage. We've covered almost 90% of the state now with our yeah. relationships with other jurisdictions. But I, I think, um, I think we're going to accomplish a great deal in um, in local government, and um, I'm excited to be in a position where I can affect change, and I don't necessarily have to um, go persuade the majority that my idea is a good one, but I do have to um, persuade the legislative body, and I have to listen closely to what they have to say and incorporate them in the decision-making and the process and make sure they're educated. I've hired folks that I think are good at what they do, I don't have the luxury of um, only working with people who are my lifetime friends or mm. who have never worked against me or have never criticized me. Um, that would um, that would limit the pool that I could draw from. I'm not only hiring people who live in St. Louis County. I'll hire people that live in St. Louis City if they're the right person for the job and if they can teach me something or help. And I'm trying to get diverse representation from different um, pockets of experience in the county. I'm really looking for people that are really good at what they do, and then I want to turn them loose and let them make some decisions within boundaries uh, with some guardrails um, because I can't micromanage departments. I have to let people do what they're good at. Hmm. So who is an elected official or political thinker that you admire that's shaped your career? Well, shaped my career. I've read Sam Rayburn's biography. I thought it was fascinating, the longest serving speaker in the house. He was a master of relationships. Um, I think Lyndon Johnson uh, accomplished a great deal in the United States Senate as a, as a um, Senate leader. I thought it was interesting, uh, his approach to um, civil rights, uh, his stepwise approach, um, trying to persuade other senators to go along with it. In the end, the Southern uh, Senators considered him a traitor and never forgave him for mm -hmm. his for um, his leadership there. But again, you saw a law that was passed that wasn't accepted, and you saw the reverse type of civil disobedience for a generation. And right. we're still deal dealing with a lot of that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm wary that if you make a change in a law and um, your electorate isn't engaged in the conversation and they don't have the buy-in, it's going to be very difficult to implement that. And um, I'm probably more biased to spend a little bit of time educating people about uh, proposed legislation rather than just uh, passing a bill and um, surprising everyone that it's the new law. Give me an example of where you feel like there was that education laid that helped people. I think the prescription drug monitoring program okay. uh, was my first piece of legislation. The Tobacco 21 bill um, yeah. was the next. That is a real change in how we treat tobacco products in our yeah. region. and. Um, you know, that's, um, I think, uh, all, this, all the legislation, that um, all the ideas that will come out of our Affordable Housing Task Force, mm. um, we'll implement those in a stepwise fashion to make you, sure that yeah. uh, we can uh, accomplish those goals. Yeah. Do you... That's interesting. Do you feel like, as a doctor, 
there are certain things that seem so common sense to you that it is difficult. I mean, I'm just, I've never actually thought about that before, just when you talked about the tobacco and prescription drugs. But I have to imagine yeah, I, I there's certainly had some a, amount of like public health where you're like, come on. Right. So I've got um, an advantage in certain areas that I can crunch yeah. through these complicated public health questions pretty quickly because right. I live it and I understand it. The prescription drug monitoring program was one I not only was I have a medical degree, but my specialty was anesthesiology. I had subspecialty training in pain management. I did a pain mm -hmm. management fellowship down at WashU and had a busy practice for 10 years. Right. And I dealt with a lot of people who had complicated pain problems who were on high-dose narcotics. And I right. understood the population and I knew why we needed this bill. Uh, the Tobacco 21 is a broader public health issue, but you know I understood uh, what yeah. happens. And uh, the folks that smoke are much more difficult to take care of in the operating room. And they're much more likely to present to the operating room because of the medical damage that's caused by chronic tobacco use. And I think, um, yeah, the, when, when, I, when I was first elected, we had problems in the jail. I spent my first two weeks trying to figure out what was happening. And it was really, um, there was a breakdown in um, communication and teamwork. I mean, we talked about bi-state and the absence right. of teamwork and the chaos it causes and the resource it wastes. The same thing was happening in the jail. Yeah. Um, the, there were uh, two doctors over the past five years that were generally responsible for corrections medicine. Um, one complained about quality and was fired. Mm. Uh, another one complained about pay and was fired. And they, you know, they were replaced with part-time people who were stretched too thin and had a hard time uh, covering it. And then the budgets were cut and um, the morale dropped and people weren't engaged. They didn't feel like they, they could speak up. They were afraid to speak up. So mm -hmm. the first thing I did was was to try and reassure them I'm on your side. I toured the jail, I went and looked at the cells where uh, two of our uh, inmates had died and I talked to corrections officers, I talked to nursing staff and um, looked at the, the processes and procedures and applied to a lot of what I knew from my medical practice about quality improvement, patient safety and, and, right. and system-based change in delivery of healthcare and we made a lot of progress. Yeah. Good. I think we're getting close to the end, I'm gonna ask what could be the last question? I think it's the last question. Another, another, a small one. It's not about something you'll regret, but when you go to work tomorrow morning, what's on the agenda? What's tomorrow's schedule? What's going to happen in the county executive's office? I think I have a meeting with um, Regional Business Council to talk about uh, your first question, regional cooperation. They've done some polling to see what the appetite for change is in the city and county. Um, uh, I think I have a couple of speaking engagements, mm -hmm. but I generally look at my agenda uh, at night when I get home because it does change. Uh, so, um, gosh, I can't remember everything I'm going to do tomorrow. Is this a 40-hour-a-week job? Or? Uh, this is a 65-hour-a-week job. Seven days a week? Uh, Winston, uh, uh, timesheets usually say somewhere between 62 and 65 hours, but he's there on Saturday and Sunday and uh, wow. long days. I usually leave my house at 6.30 in the morning and get home by 7 or so and uh, half a day on Saturday and some Sunday afternoon stuff. What do you wish you had more time for? One thing you wish you had more time for? I like to get, get out and meet people. I like to go to more events. There's just not a time, enough time to get everywhere right. I'd like to go. I mean, I was at Chaffetz Arena today to talk to the Slew Dean's Breakfast. Um, that was uh, a good crowd. And um, uh, meetings this afternoon with um, really some exciting development opportunities in North County. Some. Uh, uh, low-income housing projects, and we reviewed some of those. Uh, met with some folks from Fleshman Hiller to talk about communication strategies and, and engagement of the community. Um, they were um, 
they're you know they're a good civic partner. They had done some pro bono work on um, the Better Together proposal mm -hmm. and uh, had some ideas and. Um, you know, meetings with staff, responding to emails, looking at proposed legislation. Uh, talked to, yesterday, talked to the um, uh, laborers, uh, uh, Eastern District leadership about um, legislation in St. Louis County to uh, require prevailing wage on all um, incentivized projects in the county. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of exciting things happening. It's hard for me to keep track of them all. I just right. have to look at our list and keep going. Yeah. Well, it's a big job. It's a big job. You're putting the time in, and we hope to have you back here sure. in a few months and hear how oh, the job wow. is going. Yeah, we're going to wait. The political wire is an on, on election season, off election season political trade. Right, right Steve? Absolutely. Yeah. We are here for you. One of the few times we've reached across the city county line for a guest. That's we've true. been a little city centric. We're going to we hope to be more regional for ourselves. Sure talk about regionalism and do not practice it i would say personally but we are going to get better yes yes and that's yes. our goal we've got some exciting uh new members of the county council you should get to know oh, yeah. them and meet them yeah that's i've right. known i've known a few for a while but yeah. I mean, we haven't put them in the hot seat plied them with beer no, I, and I, forced I, them I've to known, talk I, over a local barroom chatter i met, which I met the, lisa clancy years ago when she yeah. lived not too far from this tavern so it's been great to see her career yeah. grow so. It's right. great. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Do this again sometime. <laughs> right. thank, thank you. you. Thank you, everyone, for coming on. Thank you, Sam, for coming down for the Royale Political Wire and enjoying the bar room with us. Uh, we will we'll post this up as soon as possible. We'll let everybody know about it. Be sure to subscribe and uh, stop down at the Royale if you have any questions for anything or just don't enjoy a drink. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>